The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. St. Peter, Peter and St. Paul have more than one feast day. St. Peter is commemorated on January 18th for having confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, the way Matthew tells it, three verses later, three verses, Peter is chiding Jesus for predicting his death, and in turn, Jesus rounds on him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Not to mention Peter's fear, driven denial, and his running and hiding. She just cringe every time Peter puts his foot in his mouth. A little threatening, isn't it? It reminds us of us. Yet Jesus calls Peter his rock. That's a term most often used of God, the Father. In the Psalms, as I just prayed the last verse of Psalm 19, because God is seen as the rock of reliability and support, my crag, my mountain, my rock, Peter? And then Jesus tasks him to feed his sheep, as we just heard in the gospel. Peter is the first pastor of the church. St. Paul is remembered on January 28th for his conversion, from being a great enemy of this new way, the Jesus movement, to its greatest evangelist. His passion for God was so great that he was given a permit by the temple to round up and arrest those renegade Jews with their false prophet, that Jesus guy from Nazareth. He was off to do that until he received a mission 
from that Jesus guy from Nazareth, the risen Lord. We were struck blind and sent off for some re-education and turned his passion to spread the gospel to the whole world. How these two ever got along and were even, even able to split the ministry of evangelizing the Jews to Peter and to the Gentiles to Paul at the Council of Jerusalem is as good a proof of the action of the Holy Spirit as I can think of. It always gives me hope every time we have church council of some sort or a convention. Who are these men? Peter was a comfortable middle-class citizen, a fisherman, not a citizen, with a family, not very clever, but worldly wise. He wasn't very educated. Paul was deeply religious from a good family, likely not married, a student of one of the great rabbis, uh, Gamaliel, and educated in Greek philosophy. In essence, he takes all the Stokes and the Epicureans. He take on anybody. Paul had status. He was a citizen. He was a Roman citizen. Today, we celebrate both their deaths. They died the same year, presumably in Rome, martyrs to the faith. It was one of the persecutions that time under the uh, Emperor Nero. They were martyrs to the faith. Paul demanded to be sent to Rome to present his case to the emperor. Condemned, he suffered a nicer death as a citizen. He got a swordsman to take off his head. Um, we heard in, in the gospel what Jesus predicted about Peter that someday he was going to be dragged there by his belt. When Peter got to Rome, the story is told that he turned around, he was down the road to leave, and he got a vision from Jesus in front of him saying, where are you going? He turned around, went back to Rome and died. Crucified upside down, isn't that Peter? I've always got to protest and do one better. Not as good as the Lord, I'll be crucified upside down. But he died. A terrible death. God certainly picked some of the honest bedfellows to do the work. When Peter went into it, when Paul went into a town, he would spend some time living there with the locals, working to earn a living. He was very clear about that. You know, you can go for me and I'll take your hospitality, but I, I understand that you are a when he taught, he would sit down, presumably, and his disciples would gather around him, and he would teach theology the same way as Gamaliel taught him. And in those cities, he built the theological doctrine of the church, which we still have. Yes, there were some changes and heresies and growth, but basically, Paul nailed it right then and there. If Peter was our first pastor. 
Paul was our first doctor of the church. When he left those cities after he had really established a community or a church, he had a squad of assistants and local informants that kept him appraised that they were keeping the right doctrine. Opus oh, one said, There's some things going on you should know about. He kept touch with all these people. The way the bishop would. And yet it was Peter. And those letters that Paul sends, you know, they remind me of the howlers. You remember the howlers in Harry Potter? When somebody was angry with one of their students, they'd send a howler and come in on an owl and start screaming. Well, some of his letters are like that. He writes them like an angry schoolmaster. What are you doing? Who are you listening to? But whether they were gentle and mild or whether they were pretty angry. He was always teaching. He was always teaching the meaning, the deep meaning of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. I think C.S. Lewis calls it the deep magic. It would be fair to say that he truly was the first great doctor of the church. He converted more than anybody. He spread the word to the Gentile world. He even demanded to make his case to the emperor, bold, passionate, determined. Should he not have been the rock on which the church was built? But Peter was chosen to be the rock. We know from Acts, Peter eventually did learn how to preach sort of, and the Spirit moved him to perform acts of wonder. But his role was to stay in or near Jerusalem and to organize the young church. This is not surprising. I mean, we look at him as sort of a bumbling, uneducated fisherman, but he owned a couple of fishing boats. He owned a small fleet of boats. And he probably he was very aware of the catch. You remember all those catches? Was a, how many are there? And we separate the good from the bad. He probably was responsible for taking the catch to market and getting the best price he could, bringing it home to that mother-in-law we heard about. He, he had skills. And he may not have been the most pastoral soul, but he was chosen to feed the sheep. His faith wasn't even very strong, as Jesus kept telling him. And for a long time, he struggled with purity laws. What to eat, what not to eat. But what Peter had was an abiding love. What we heard this morning, you know I love you. Be much you. We need a bit of both. Of, of course, Paul fed the sheep. And his words in the uh, letters still do. Paul's understanding of the mystery articulated a doctrine which we still live by. It holds us together during good times and bad. We can go back to the doctrine that you taught. 
the love of God in Christ, who we are, the equality. There is no male or female, slave or free. We are one. He taught us all this. So yes, he fed the sheep, but not quite in the same way. She was thinking then, he was determined. Peter's love for a man he had known, Jesus, who was here as a man, he walked with him, he ate with him, he went to parties with him. He misunderstood him. And he certainly was not ready for the heartbreak that was in store for us. But it was that love, in many ways, that relationship between Peter and Jesus that spread to the twelve disciples and bound them as a family and still binds us as a family. Paul bore the cross from the beginning. Oh, I'm going to get beaten up. I'm going to get stoned. I have a pain in my leg. I'm ready to die. Peter did not ask for it. We heard that also. Jesus told him, someday they're going to put a belt on you and they're going to drag you. Well, that's what happened. He got dragged to his crucifixion. You know, maybe that's why they have to be martyred together. It's two parts of a whole, just as we are. Passionate, persistent, faithful, and tripping and falling over our tongues, over and over. God chooses us, and God changes us. How do we learn to share the gifts of these saints? Partly through reading and learning, as teachers, but also through love, and a gift nurtured in baptism, and fed in the sharing of the one loaf and the one cup and the holy table is not really we certainly will. Ultimately, too, we must willingly give up and die to ourselves, embracing only the presence of Christ. And by doing this, we also share the martyrdom of these two most unlikely servants of God. Martyr means witness. Can we be witnesses? We can be witnesses. As we grow in grace through God's gifts to us, we who are the church, the saints of the church visible, we carry the lessons of these two great pillars of the faith out into the world. St. Paul, pray for us, for your passion and learning. St. Peter, pray for us, for our sometimes bumbling efforts to love and teach us to feed his sheep. Amen. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.